Outlet Liquor is your place to buy a case. Stock up and save when you shop the lowest prices available every day at Outlet Liquor. You never have to wait for a sale. The more you buy, the more you save. Only at Outlet Liquor. What's your outlet? Folks, how you doing? How you doing? How you doing? We have waited almost a month for it. Maybe even more. I've lost track at this point, but it is a victory Monday for the Buffalo Bills coming off a huge win in Arrowhead. The Bills find a way to front load some offense in the first half, close them out in the second half, get stops when they needed to. And all of a sudden, just when the Bills are getting stops and the game's over, the waterworks and the wambulance is coming in for Kansas City. We have Mike Bunt and Jake Mike to talk that. We got Slickmas well underway. We got the Sabres are still very much a train wreck, but we have even a bigger train wreck take potentially regarding the Sabres on the horizon. But with that said, here we go. Folks, welcome back. Monday, December 11th, 2023. We have two weeks until Christmas, but there are many weeks left in the NFL season, especially after a monster win for your, my, our Buffalo Bills. So let's get them in here, folks. Let's talk to them. We have got your friend, my friend, our friend, Jake, Micah, and we have got back on the train, back to deliver some pain, and back in all the best ways, Mr. Mike Bunt. Gents, it is a victory Monday. We are 22 hours after you know, what was a big win? What sticks out most to you after this big win now, 22 hours later? Jake, you want to get started? You go yeah, I'll keep it simple. I'm drinking Kermit's tears today. It was a beautiful thing to see. Just, uh, I can't believe the reaction that we've gotten after this game, after a blatantly, like, you couldn't be further. Like, I'm. did you learn? I played football one year. Bunty in eighth grade. I was a tight end and wide receiver. The first thing they told me to do is when you line up, look over to the ref and check if you're on, and they will tell you if you are onside or offside. Like it's literally the most basic rule in football. And I 
I am baffled that we're here, but I'm loving to see the reaction from Chiefs fans, from from Chiefs players, from coaches, everything the last couple of days. It is hilarious, and it's great to see it not be against the Buffalo Bills because that was the most Billsy ending to a game possible. Uh, both ways, the the play itself happening was the most Billsy ending, and then the call itself seems like it would have been the most Billsy ending. But I'm I'm just enjoying being on the other side of something like this, Bunty. I don't know about you. Yeah, I have three quick takeaways. Number one, this team is back in the thick of things. Their playoff probabilities are back into a realistic number to where we don't need to talk about hoping to be in the picture. They are in the picture right now. Number two, they battled their butts off for Sean McDermott. After all of the drama and everything that happened last week, I think we now have a clear picture of what this team feels about their head coach that couldn't have been um, aligned with what was in that article last week. And number three, I've never, I, I, I never thought I would see so many people complaining about a proper call in the NFL game in my life. Like the refs literally got it correct. They called offsides. The guy was offsides and yet people are still whining about it. it, it it's amazing to me. Yeah, it's I've seen the the comparison. I think I just saw our buddy Ryan Talbot mentioned it the other day. Like, imagine if the the Bills, like we were just sitting there complaining about the refs not telling a 12th man to get off the field at the end of the game. Like, that's how blatant this call was. Like, it was not like he was partially offsides, not like you could even make a debate. There's every angle. Even Jordan Schultz earlier, I don't know if you saw his tweet complaining about how it looked like he checked with the ref and uh, Tony checked with the ref and everything. You can tell from that sideline angle that he is like in between the, both the offensive and defensive line on the play. Like it's a, it was just crazy to me to, to see the reaction yesterday and crazy to see Mahomes. Like that's a really out of character. I feel like reaction for Mahomes after that game to even have that conversation with Allen at the end. And I, in the moment I was like, Oh my God, like, is he really like, yelling and i'm sure they're and we know they're close we know they're like buddies and everything so maybe it's a just like felt comfortable and just was out of character moment but it also maybe speaks to the frustration of this team losing three games in a row like the offense we know hasn't been clicking for the chiefs pretty much all year long and that was a big story of yesterday's game too so the frustration boiling over was one thing but the the biggest takeaway i think i have is just Three wins in a row, three years in a row in Arrowhead in the regular season, three wins. And like you said, Sean McDermott going in there uh, and his his defense really, really stepping up and, and them rallying around him to get this big win. What about you, Maniac? How am I looking? Am I? Are, can you're we fresh rally? now. Can you're, we, can you're we rally flowing. around looking me right good, now? Maniac. Thank goodness. Okay, <laughs> I was. I don't know what was happening, but the connection is good. And yeah, that, I I've been popping in and out while you guys have been making great points. I mean, it was a absolute train wreck script of an ending you were coming down to it and that play my goodness that play which didn't count and that play that means absolutely nothing as far as the nfl is concerned yeah i felt like i was in a alter you know universe but yes it was the script was there for another terrible mcdermott ending another great first 20 minutes from the mcdermott defense only to be let down by you know 40 minutes of terribleness but finally the bills pulled out they get three straight incompletions after that craziness and they take it home I want to talk to you guys. Obviously, it was kind of like a race to 20. You mentioned that in our Picasso's playoff push. We'll get to in a second as well, uh, Micah. But, gents, are you like, you know, obviously the Chiefs left a little bit on the field yesterday. There are now some injuries with Hyde and Epinesa. 
coming out of this Bills Chiefs game? Are you more encouraged by the big win, or are you more worried about the potential holes you saw, as well as the injuries we took out at going the, down this four game stretch? This has to be a hundred percent encouraging. I don't know how you can have any other take uh, from this contest. I know I, I actually avoided Twitter yesterday because I knew it was probably going to be very toxic the moment the Chiefs went on any type of run. And of course, looking back, it did get pretty bad um, in towards the late moments of the game. But the reason why this is encouraging is your defense stood up against one of the top offenses in the league, and they made plays. I, I know everybody had that gut feeling late that uh, they're going to find a way to blow another game. Mahomes is going to go down the field. They're going to get a touchdown. We're going to lose a heartbreaker. But that didn't happen. We're talking about a defense that had a turnover, a takeaway on the first drive on a, a great A.J. Epineza interception. Then another critical takeaway on the Taron Johnson fumble recovery in the second half, forced multiple punts. And, yes, uh, I, I know the offsides – it was still the defense not executing. But at the end, they forced four straight incompletions against one of the best quarterbacks of all time to clinch this game. So I'm encouraged about that. The offense struggled, but a lot of people need to keep in mind, this Chiefs defense is elite. This isn't the Kansas City squads of the last five years where amazing, incredible offense, crappy defense. This is a totally different Chiefs team. They're a team that has over 40 sacks this year. They get to the quarterback. They cause problems. And in the second half, it was tough sledding for the Bills, but they found a way to take the lead in the final minutes, and, and they got the job done. So 100% encouraging uh, based on the result of this game. So I, I definitely think it's more encouraging. I won't go 100%. And you touched on a lot of the points that I would say that was great, like the defense standing up at the end of this game and getting a stop because I had that gut feeling. I was sitting there talking out loud, just like, oh, here we go again. Like, oh, this is the <laughs> I think I tweeted out the script. I was like, here's the masterclass. This is what's going to come down to. And then we're going to get this last drive. And it was sizing up for it. And the defense showed up. Even, even the even the Benford strip and then the and the Johnson recovery. Like that's a play that I wasn't expecting at that time. And that's guys making clutch plays and standing up. But the pressure from the front four was awesome. The especially the blitzing that you just throw. Bernard had a nice comment after that, like. We were blitzing, but we were blitzing to keep him from scrambling, too. And you you didn't really see a lot of those Mahomes escape plays. He had a couple, I think. I think on the last drive, he had that one scramble for a first down. But really, it wasn't a lot of Mahomes running around, trying to get fine guys open late down the field or anything like that. The only worrisome thing I would talk about, and I think it's a learning experience and happy that it happened here and not the playoffs, is Joe Brady got put in a blender in that second half. And they Spags ran man defense on those receivers and the receivers struggle as they have a lot of this year struggled to get open and they struggled with drops again we had digs with two drops uh they had three of those drives there 12 plays averaged 1.1 yards and had two first downs so that was it was a really bad stretch for the offense Allen didn't look his sharpest obviously he missed davis on that uh on the potential touchdown wide streaming wide open in the end zone he threw it to uh jump ball to kincaid on the sideline but I give more credit to Spagnola, who we know is one of the best defensive minds in the game. And like you said, Bunty, this has been a great Chiefs defense. It's really what 
has them to eight wins this year is the strength of their defense, not their offense this year. So you kind of have to chalk that up to that. But the most encouraging thing was James Cook was a superstar yesterday. On 15 touches or 15 touches, he had 9.5 yard or yeah, 9.5 yards per touch. And if you have that kind of explosiveness, and that's a kind of guy that we've been waiting for that, right? Like we we've saw the potential to for him to be utilized in the passing game and the running game like that. And he only had, I believe, was on the field for 45% of the snaps or something like that yesterday. So there's an opportunity for him to get more, get more snaps and be more effective. But when the pass catchers are struggling like they were yesterday, and even Diggs, like Diggs obviously did what I think he ended up with under 30 yards again yesterday. He hasn't eclipsed 100 since week six. If you can get that kind of performance from James Cook, it's really going to help this offense going forward. But that was the only thing I was worried about was Joe Brady. He just he didn't have any answers for Spagnola. But now you go forward. That's the best defense they'll see the rest of this year. And you see how to make adjustments from it and go from there. And to yeah. add one thing to that, uh, quick, we need to start talking about James Cook. Like he's about to be one of the top running backs in this league. He's already a top 10 back in the league, in my opinion, right now. Among skill position players um, at the running back position, he I think I saw something that he is averaging the seventh most yards per, per touch. He's averaging over 10 yards per reception this year. Like at the running back position, that's insane. And then his yards per carry, I think, enter maybe at the end of the game was around 4.8. So James Cook is dynamic right now. He's over, he's right around that 1,200 yards per from scrimmage uh, point this season. He's on pace for over 15 yards, uh, 1,500 yards per from scrimmage for the season. So when, when, when we start talking about the Bills' weapons, we need to start talking more about James Cook. And I think some of the offensive problems in this game was that the Bills went away from their running game for stretches in the second half. And maybe instead of having Josh Allen do it all himself, try to rely on the running game a little bit more when certain things aren't working your way. And you're especially concerned about that pass rush. A good way to neutralize that is switch things up a little bit. And the ultimate irony in that probably the biggest pass of Josh Allen's in the entire game went to a running back, and it was Latavius Murray on, on that scrambler. Uh, but, yeah, obviously a crazy game. What? So this is the sixth. I was just thinking when you mentioned this, Michael, what? Is this the sixth time in then four years that these teams are playing, considering that they played 2020, 21, 22, 23, and twice in the playoffs, and, and non-divisional opponents? So that has got to be some kind of record calendar-wise. Yeah, it's crazy that they have this much familiarity. And that's what you get with a game like this, too, like a 20 to 17 game. Like these teams between McDermott, Spagnola being part of the staff, the Andy Reid, it's not like the Bills scheme has changed all that much over the last couple of years. Like these teams know each other as well as divisional games. So it, it was it really felt like that, too. I was getting chippy, too. Like there was a lot of familiarity on these field on the field. These two teams have seen each other a lot, heard a lot of noise about the matchups and comparing each other. And you could definitely feel that tension yesterday. Uh, well, speaking of getting digs off the schneid, obviously he's been struggling a little bit as of recently stats wise, uh, no better team in my opinion to do that than the Cowboys. Obviously his brother won't be playing, but his brother will assumedly be, you know, looking at film, helping, you know, the other guys prepare Stefan Gilmore, a familiar face coming back. Uh, the one thing, first of all, I'll get to your guys thoughts on the biggest worry for bills. I do want to say one thing I'm happy about going into this topic is that last night, you know, the Eagles put on film 30 minutes against the Cowboys, not allowing a touchdown. Uh, so I think that they're going to look to try and manipulate that. Yeah. If we're allowing bomb field goals in uh, orchard park, I don't think that's a worry for McDermott, but 
What's your biggest worry going into this matchup facing the Cowboys? Obviously not must win considering the rest of their schedule. In fact, this is probably the only game they can quote unquote afford to lose and still have a likely playoff chance. But no matter what, I think the whole team's looking at it like playoffs right now. Yeah. My, my biggest concern is just how well-rounded this Dallas team is. I think they showed last night that they are one of the elite teams in the NFL right now. Uh, I'm not going to go deep into metrics or anything, but DVOA is one that I love to use right now. The bills are sixth in DVOA. Dallas is fifth. So Think about how dominant the Bills are at times. That's basically what the Cowboys have been the last five weeks. Four of their past five wins um, have been absolute blowouts. They are killing teams right now. Uh, Their only close game recently was the win over uh, Seattle that I think was on Thursday night football. So Dak Prescott is probably the MVP front runner right now based on his stats and the fact that Dallas is winning games. Their uh, running game is decent with Tony Pollard. Uh, C.D. Lamb is having a great year uh, at wide receiver. Micah Parsons uh, is a concern at defensive end. He, he's always going to get to the quarterback. And I believe it was uh, Deron Bland has eight interceptions uh, for the Cowboys this year. So you're talking about a team that is very well-rounded, that has played really great football so far this year. So it's not going to be an easy test, but it is important to, to note out that the Cowboys don't play teams like the Buffalo Bills on a weekly basis. And for as great as what the Cowboys are that have been this year, the Bills have been there, done that, and achieved the same type of things that this Cowboys team has achieved this year, but have done it in the past. So to me, this is a pretty even matchup on paper uh, when the two teams hit the field on Sunday. You touched on a lot of my points there. Micah Parsons is the scariest thing about this game. He's shown to be a game wrecker. Uh, we saw the effect that Chris Jones uh, almost had on this game, almost you know knocking the ball away from Allen a couple times, getting some good pressure. So he's a guy who can wreck a whole offensive game. I think there's going to be a lot of points in this game. I really do. I think that the Bills are going to – I think that the Cowboys are going to be able to move the ball on the Bills. Uh, it's time of possession is going to be key for this Bills offense, Keep keeping Dak Prescott, like you said, likely MVP front runner right now off the field. But the biggest thing I'll, – I'll switch it up here from worry to encouragement is I've loved this Cowboys-Bills spot since the schedule came out because obviously the Cowboys just had that – that was the biggest game of their season at home, trying to get the win over the Philly after losing to them earlier in the year. This is from the last couple years of games that the Cowboys won by 20 afterwards. Just this year, they beat the Jets by 20, lost the next week at Arizona 28-16. Then they followed that up beating the Patriots 38-3, followed and lost to the 49ers uh, after that. Then this year, beating the the Rams 43-20 followed that up with a loss to Philly. So all of their losses this year are following 20-point wins. Going back to last year, they uh, defeated the Bears 49-29 in Week 8, had a bye week, go to Green Bay, lose in overtime. Um, they beat the Titans it's 27-13, Week 17, lose to Washington at the in, in the last week of the season in the game that they really could have used to have a chance to try to sneak that division away, even though I think the Eagles ended up winning there afterwards. If you even want to go back to 2021, they beat Atlanta 43-3. to They were 7-2, and sky high in the world, then lost to the Chiefs 19-9, and then Vegas 36-33 on Thanksgiving. So this is a team that has let down moments over the last three years, and this is like the ultimate letdown moment. They just had the biggest win of their season over their rival 
and they're you know a team that they were chasing in the division and now they're coming to buffalo against a desperate bills team and we saw them play like they did yesterday and the bills offense knows that they have can have a much better game than they had yesterday um i think it's a really good opportunity and the bills are catching the cowboys at a great time this year i like it on the big you know the post spot the letdown spot obviously after the eagles game like you said, for sure. Yeah, I think there's a lot of confidence going into this matchup. Real quick before we get into some lack of confidence when it comes to a certain blue and gold uh, Buffalo team. Uh, let's talk about our confidence real quick in the odds that the Bills finish 4-0. and oh. So you got Cowboys, one, you know, basically a pick em, essentially, with the home field advantage, you know, one, two-point spread in some spots. You got the Chargers in a week and a half. Again, we are looking ahead here, folks. We're asking the odds they finish 4-0. Nobody's looking past the Cowboys as far as fans concerned. But Cowboys, Chargers, Patriots, and then Dolphins on the road in a game that it's possible the Dolphins might already be locked into a 2, a 3, likely not a 1 seed, depending on how Baltimore plays. But what do you got as the odds that the Bills can run the table and finish 4-0? I think Vegas would probably put the number at right around 9-1, to 10-1. to yeah, so I'll put it at 25%. Uh, 25%. Woo, woo, woo. Well, I mean, it's I don't know if that's considered a high number or a low number. I know it's 9 to 1. that probably is much lower than what I'm putting at it, it at. But here's my thing. I, I think the Bills are going to win this weekend. I, I think they have finally discovered their offensive identity. I know they struggled uh, against Kansas City. That's an elite defense. You're on the road. Crazy environment where you have to have a silent snap count. The Chiefs had – they knew when the Bills were snapping it every time. They could time things out, made it difficult. I think at home, you're a little bit more comfortable. This game this week, it's a 50-50 game. I think the Bills get it. You're talking about a Chargers team that probably doesn't have Justin Herbert on Saturday uh, the and the, on the 23rd. Then you're playing the Patriots at home, a New England team that won't be playing for anything at that point. So – it's very possible you could have three wins right there. That might be enough at that point in time to already get in, depending on how other things play out. The Miami game, that's a tough one because we don't know what they'll be playing for or if they'll be locked into a certain spot at that point. If Miami is locked into a two or a three and they have nothing to play for, Mike McDaniel would be dumb to play Tua given his injury history and the lack of anything to gain from it. Um, it, it would especially be interesting, say um, they're in a position where they can get the two or the three and the Bills' best chance is to get a seven seed. They might just be like, okay, give us the the, the three. We don't want to play the Bills in the first round. We'll, we'll, we'll play the Colts. Uh, we'll, we'll play the Steelers. So um, it, it is interesting how that will all come into play. But, yeah, I'll, I'll say around 25% chance. But if you ask me, what are the odds of them finishing three and one down the stretch? I'll put that at like 75 to 80%. Wow. Okay. I like that. Micah, what do you got odds at? I, man, I think it's like, I think I'm a little higher. I think I'm like 30, 33, like a thir- one, one in three chance to get this done. I really Ooh. think this week, this week is the biggest obstacle going forward for every, all the reasons Bunty said, like the, it's a lame duck chargers team. They're going to get in a couple weeks. Same with the Patriots. Patriots are going to be trying to lose at that point in that game. Um, so really it's this weekend and we'll see what that, this matchup looks like. And depending on what happens with that Dolphins game, that if the Dolphins have the Cowboys and the Ravens before they fight the, before they meet the bills, that could be a sneak. If the bills, the bills know the division is still open, that the slightest little chance, 
And the Dolphins have not proven that they can beat elite teams yet this year. And those are going to be really tough games for them down the stretch. You talk about a gauntlet. Uh, I think it's they host the Cowboys at the Ravens, host the Bills. Um, so I think, yeah, I think the Bills know what's in front of them. I think they've hit their stride. And I, I really think that this weekend is the the toughest game remaining. But after that, it's pretty smooth sailing, especially depending on how the Dolphins uh, season finishes up themselves. All right. Well, one season that's very far from finishing, but what at about the one third mark is our, your, my, our Buffalo Sabres. Let's get our guy in here. He's been driven crazy by the team. He's our guy though. Gatesy, how are you feeling? It was, it was not an easy weekend for the, uh, for the Sabres faithful. No, I mean, it, it's still a little bit of excitement though. They got a point, which I mean, at this point, I'm not looking for, you know, you know, a point on a night we're got to get to at this stage of the season with how things are going. I thought I'd make a change. The mustache is gone. Hopefully for a brand new season starting tonight, I'm doing my part out here to hopefully help this team on the ice. Uh, speaking of on the ice, we're going to have Levi in net again, it seems from what I saw. So obviously, you know, he had a great performance against, against Boston last week. Uh, you know, what are we trying to ride them? Momentum? I'm a little nervous. I feel like we're, you know, like, like this guy just went down a week and a half ago. I thought that was the narrative, but now he's back up and we're starting him every game. I, everyone was so content, myself included, of sending Levi to Rochester because there were glaring issues that did not magically get fixed over the course of one AHL game. Yeah, it's nice. He's stopping pucks, but at the end of the day, I think it's a risky play because... <laughs> I think we're all on the same page that he needs to be consistent and see the ice. UPL's, you know, not sick anymore. Let's let's just keep things going. What's the point of keeping Comrie around at this point? If, if you know, like Levi's the guy all of a sudden after a week in Rochester, he gets one garbage plate in his system. He's a new man. Like I don't know what, you know, what what's been going on, but I'm I think just send him to Rochester, right with what we got going on, because it's going back and forth and like. Oh, he plays one bad game, then all the blame's going to Levi back to Rochester. I just don't think that's you know going to be good for him in the long run. Agreed. That's not going to be an easy situation for any goaltender, much less a young one still developing in his career. And speaking of still developing, obviously Sabres fans are frustrated, but I think it was Okposo after the last game. You know, he said you'd be silly to look at us the last two games and think like this is the team of the last couple years. There's some some comment along those lines, correct? So I'm curious about your guys. Do you believe what he's saying? I mean, the last five Sabres home games, they haven't scored in the first two periods. So I, I don't know exactly what he's saying. Are you buying that these Sabres could be rounding a corner with Granado's system, which is clearly letting them play better defense this year, but the scoring and dependency hasn't been there to translate into wins? Yeah, I think yeah, we saw a big change after that Boston game. That Boston game was the change. Everything before that was absolutely dreadful and terrible to watch. Um and normally after they have a really good game, they absolutely fall off the wagon the next one. But, you know, the, the game after the Boston game, it wasn't, you know, ideal. The Sabres were still down and had to make a comeback. But, you know, that fight was there. They're, they didn't just roll over. I, I do believe my heart of hearts that this is a turning point for the team. There's no chance that I think this team is going to continue this terrible play the rest of the season. They are a good hockey team. Like, I think we forget a lot of times, you know, they've been on these crazy runs the past couple of years. That team is there somewhere. Tage is back. Quinn should be back really soon. He's out of the non-contact jersey in practice. So I think once he gets back, these guys kind of find a groove again. It should be off and running from that point. But I'm very confident that, you know, we're, we're on the upslope here. Bunty, are you buying this timeline? Are we going to be referring to before Boston going forward <laughs> with the Sabres this year? So I'll say this about the Sabres team. Linear, development isn't always linear. And it's a it's a 
common phrase, but I think fans forget about it. The receivers outperformed expectations two consecutive years, and they had a higher goal score than expected rate last year based on their shooting percentages. So basically what I'm saying is if they would have done what Detroit did or Ottawa did and brought in quality free agents and, and guys that were veterans, there would have been an expectation that, okay, they can take that next step. Now they should be a playoff team. But with what happened with their roster where they kept it status quo for the most part outside of uh, Connor Clifton and Eric Johnson and then putting in a young rookie goalie, there was an expectation in the analytics community that this team might regress by four or five points this year. I predicted them to miss the playoffs with 90 points because I didn't think it was sustainable to continue at that rate unless they did make uh, some changes to this roster. And that was with me factoring in that Jack Quinn was going to miss half the season too. With a healthy Jack Quinn, I thought he was going to be a 25 to 30 goal scorer this year. Tate Thompson being out for uh, nearly 10 games has a tremendous impact on this roster. They are not deep enough to be able to sustain losses to their quality guys while also having some of that up and down play from their other young prospects. It's just clear right now that they're, they're still a little bit of a, of a period away from where they need to be. That doesn't mean this team sucks. That doesn't mean that like it's hopeless. Like I, I see so many people that are saying fire Don Granado or this team is never going to develop. They're never going to be what they're going to be. No, like they're, they're still learning how to play hockey there's going to be inconsistent play. And last year, the last two years, it's all about being aggressive, taking chances, and grow through making mistakes. Well, this year, they're trying to get more of a defensive system in place so they can have more sustainable success. So it's not always risk-taking here and there and just relying on odd man chances to score goals. And with that, there's growing pains. And I think... As the year goes on, we're going to see a more consistent team. Unfortunately, it's probably going to be at the result of missing the playoffs in the long term. But I, I do think we a lot of people maybe placed a little bit too many, too much expectations on the squad based on what Kevin Adams brought back. Yeah, you, you took the words out of my mouth, Bunty, pretty much with a lot of those things, with just the expectation level and everything else. And I think that the biggest thing that you mentioned there that I wanted to touch on is the odd man rushes and how much this team was able to create um, off odd man rushes and off the pace of their play last year and everything. And the league adjusted to them. Like, the game plan is to take those away. If you watch a lot of these teams, it was it was noticeable opening night. Teams are just sitting back and waiting for them to come in. And they're just the Sabres were willing to skate right into them and, and have trouble getting into the zone and have trouble with their zone entries. That's one of their biggest problems with their power plays. They seem like you can't even get set up in the zone half the time. And that's a lot of the a lot of those issues are things that are not going to get worked out in the first two months of the season. When you're altering your like you said, altering your game plan, off altering your offensive attack and your defensive and your system to become more defensive. It's going to take time to learn how to create those scoring chances in the zone, not off the rush and everything else. And they're going through those growing pains. And they're still the youngest team in the league, right? Or if not the youngest, top five youngest team in the league. So, yeah, like everybody, like you said, everybody had the expectations on them to, to grow and keep 
the momentum and they missed the playoffs by one point last year. So obviously this is going to be a year to make the playoffs. And it's just, that's just not how this league works. And this is still a team that is still finding, really finding their identity. You can't live off all offense and all rush chances and everything else, especially with young goaltender. And they missed on the two defensemen that they signed, like the two additions that they made, they're misses. Connor Clifton and Eric Johnson have been negatives, not even zeros, just negatives on the ice for this team. And that's that's huge for them. Like that is a huge, huge miscalculation by Kevin Adams on what this team really needed or where that the value was on that back end. And they're going to have to adjust on that, but they can't do that in the middle of the year, except play Ryan Johnson more, which would be music to all Sabres fans ears, I think. But they seem to be content with playing the veterans, with playing, having Rosen go down and Brett Murray come up. Like these things are what they are content with this year. They're fine if they use this as another development year. And I think that that pisses fans off, obviously, because we want to push to make the playoffs and everything else. But to me, it seems like Kevin Adams and Don Granado knew this could not be another wash year and just wanted to let it see it play out. And then we're going into next year, assessing what this team really needs going forward into the future. You got to know your personnel and direct them into the future. Exactly like you said, Mike. And speaking of which, Michael Butt has to go to the Sabres game. So with that said, Michael, go get us a W and go have a good good night now, sir. All right. Go Sabres. Have a good one, guys. Go, sirs. Go, Burrs. Go, Burrs. Um, and we're wrapping it up here on Trainwreck tonight. But we just had one more topic, and I wanted to bring it up. Uh, it's picking up a little steam over there on the Instigator Pod after the whistle uh, with Reve and uh, Peters. But there's a little, I mean, basically, again, and they do a whole podcast. They have a very popular podcast that they, you know, they don't need, you know, the views they're getting from this or whatever. But essentially saying that, you know, there's like some type of negativity about Jeff Skinner's goal song. My kickoff take on this is just, it, it felt like a completely disconnected take. And in an era where the Sabres have done so many things wrong with fan interaction and things like that, you can't like shake your head or, you know, lift your nose or something. It's something that does connect with the fans like this. So I think it's a complete mess, but I was curious about where you guys landed on it, what your thoughts were. Jeff Skinner's goal song is probably one of the most anticipated things from fans to you know, look forward to in the offseason. He's hit each year so far. It's something the fans love. Even from like, you know, crossing source perspectives, like Jeff Skinner's goal song, when that gets played, like that arena goes wild. Something about just, you know, him, he brings a fun atmosphere to the game with these, you know, goal songs. And the fact that, you know, they didn't even know that this was a thing that the team was doing and it's been going on for three years now, I think is, I think, incredible all on its own. But, you know, the fact that they don't notice that the fans enjoy this and the Sabres have been basically shooting themselves in the foot for a decade now on the fan experience. This is something that the fans love. It seems the players enjoy doing. This is just a win-win for everyone except, I guess, the old, the old men yelling at the clouds. I, I don't know. Yeah, I I was so baffled listening to that, and it then it just turned like to an attack on Jeff Skinner in general. I'm like, what is what is going on here? Yeah, old man yelling at the cloud uh, seems to be seems to be their brand, I guess. I don't I don't really know what's going on on that show. I I know it's a popular show; it's got their following, everything else. But yeah, there's a huge miss on what this fan base is looking for like we how much do we have to get excited about can we listen to the damn high school musical song just because it's not your what what does he want like there's no suggestions to a song i didn't hear him say there we go there we go that's what we need i didn't hear like him suggest some acdc or something else instead of it like no suggestions just ripping high school musical like you just don't know bro you don't know ball 
It's a quintessential misunderstanding of what music is and what music means is all is all I heard from it. So stuff, but hopefully, hopefully we hear a lot tonight. Hopefully the Sabres get back on track with the win. Uh, we do have our giveaway going on on Cross the Swords Pod. Uh, go check that out if you want to a chance to win fifty dollars to Sports City Pizza Pub. And speaking of which, we are just a week and a half away from our holiday party. It's beginning to look a lot like Slickmas, folks. We're into it. Um, we got some giveaways over there. Make sure you're following the train wreck page. Uh, but shout outs and sign us here. Train wreck tonight, 321. Always great on a victory Monday. Let's keep the vibes rolling, gents, right into the holiday season. It's a big one. Let's let's keep this momentum going for the Bills, for the Sabres, for the Bandits, for the city of Buffalo. Let's keep it going in the right direction. Bandits, tough opening week game, but that's why they don't hand out trophies in week one. They're back at home this weekend. They'll get the momentum going. Got a I shout out. The, uh, MLL champions too playing on the road opening week. I, I don't. That doesn't make any sense to me. Sketchy, either. ridiculous. I'm shouting out Kadarius Tony. He's a real one. Thank you. Thank uh, Tony. Really is a real one because you know he saw that play coming and he just goes that can't count. Thank you for not counting things that shouldn't count, folks. Make sure you are counting yourselves along our subscribers on YouTube, followers on Facebook, followers on X, and much more. We've got all kinds of amazing content going on through the end of the year and into 2024 because. You know Micah, you know Gatesy, you know me, and you know our record crew. One thing's very sure for certain. This train never stops. So make sure to go have a good night now.